Hello, hello, hello. Dr. Paco here with you with another great podcast. Today, we'll be talking about hookup culture and how it sabotages intimacy. Before we get into that, though, I do have one piece of the truth teller news that I will share with you all. And that is at the recent Oscars, I believe the other night, um, I don't watch anymore, but I will say that the great legendary Angela Bassett was snubbed for an Oscar. Um, The Oscar went to Jamie Lee Curtis and people had some opinions um, about Angela Bassett not clapping when Jamie Lee Curtis had won her um, Oscar. And what I have to say about this is that Angela Bassett has been in the game for a long time, have put in some amazing performances that far exceed what Jamie Lee Curtis has, um, has put forth. And it's fair to say that it was her time, or many can feel that it was her time, although technically it wasn't because someone else won. But the point is about that is that this idea that we have to always congratulate people, we have to put on some front and clap um, enthusiastically when really we maybe we're not happy or maybe we don't feel that that award was deserved. And so I applaud Angela Bassett for being authentic and not trying to mislead and go along with this idea that, um, oh, it's good sportsmanship. No, this is real life. And people put their blood, sweat, and tears into their professions and into their careers. And if I felt that I was unfairly um, snubbed in a situation, then guess what? I'm not clapping. So moving past that, and there's a lot of things to cover today with the the hookup culture and sabotaging intimacy. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. Now, there are thousands of excuses why casual sex is inconsequential. People in general will defend anything that they're doing because they're doing it as a means to protect their ego, to not appear to be wrong, and just all kinds of reasons why people do these things, even whenever it's really maladaptive. It's not beneficial to them in any way. But rarely do we critically assess why hookup culture can be harmful. And that is no other reason than simply because so many people are doing it. And again, people don't want to be wrong, don't want to be judged. And it's just easier to to do things like this and not have to work on the deeper issues. And so we're at the point now to where people have have treated it as if there are no deeper issues. So people just keep doing it without really understanding how it in, it impedes on their long-term goals. Um, essentially, it, um, hooking up sabotages your long-term goals because it gets in the way of being able to form intimate connections with people. And the intimate connections are really essential for long-term relationships. Um, that connectedness is important for people to have the value that they need to have from one each other to be able to overcome a lot of the obstacles that come in relationships because you have that intimacy, you have that connection. And when you lack that connection, then the relationship is less likely to last. You tend to have less value for your partner. You don't know them as well. And let's just keep it real. It makes it convenient to keep searching and to keep hooking up. And then people want to go to social media and complain about how there's no good men, there's there's no good women, I can't find anyone. But you keep trying to find people that essentially you are not connected to. And one of the well, some of the factors that go into contributing to this is we are overexposed to sex. So anywhere you go, I mean, even now in kids' movies, they have all these innuendos that essentially contribute to all we think about 
is sex because it's constantly put in front of us. Um, as media and television, as time has, has gone on, has done nothing but constantly put these images in, in, in front of us. Now, unattainable beauty standards are another factor that contributes to the hookup culture. Um, people are constantly trying to meet some standard and in meeting that standard, it contributes to hypersexualization, hypersexualization because people are constantly trying to meet these standards and in the process of doing so, it can manifest itself into sexual behavior. But the thing about these unattainable beauty standards are that it leads to poor self-esteem, um, depression, eating orders, and again, early sex. So trying to live up to a standard can manifest itself in having early sexual experiences. Now, going back to hypersexualization, think of this as it's based on a person's perceived value. It can be the perceived value from themselves or the perceived value from others. So sexual appeal and behavior plays a huge role here. So individuals will act um, certain ways to, to appeal to others, um, which also includes and combines with the unattainable beauty standards, as I mentioned. Um, cultural standards, such as physical attractiveness and having to be sexy all the time, also contributes to the hookup culture and the hypersexualization that we're constantly seeing. Because sometimes to be sexy, it translates into, into action, translates into behavior. And so when you add the appeal to the behavior, then again, you have this hookup culture and this overexposure to sex. Um, there's also sexual objectification. That is when a person is portrayed to, let's say, as an object for other people's sexual use. Sometimes people can objectify themselves. They can be objectified by others, but it definitely contributes to the to the hookup culture because individuals may internalize that sexual objectification as something that is um, positive, as something that is advantageous to them. But again, in the long run, it just um, inhibits their ability to form those long-term connections that people truly desire. Another thing I will say is when sexuality is imposed on a person, like in pornography, for example, that also negatively impacts intimacy. There have been many studies that show that individuals who watch pornograph pornography, especially regularly, and those who are addicted to it, have harder time connecting to individuals in an intimate, intimate way. Those pixels on the screen, that over-stimulation, um, people start to think this is this is real and this is how um, sex and relationships go. And that's just not how people like to be pleased, especially women. Many of those women end up um, in situations to where they are they're in pain after these things. And it's just not an accurate depiction of what sex looks like. And when young men or older men, but we're going to focus on younger men, emerging adults, whenever they watch these things, they internalize it as this is how I need to go and please a woman, making it difficult to disconnect. Now, at this moment, we're going to intersect this with attachment styles. And I'm not huge on intersectionality because sometimes people try to combine things that have no business being combined. But in this case, it is important to intersect attachment styles to see how this plays a role in hypersexuality and oversexuality, especially amongst emerging adults. Now, when I say attachment styles, I want you to think of the anxious avoidant and secure attachments. I'm gonna go into these three attachments to give you a little bit of understanding of what I'm talking about if you're not familiar with these. So anxious attachment, just basically as it sounds, think of an individual that um, experiences high anxiousness, high anxiety, 
when it comes to being in a relationship. It can be from psychological and emotional distress they experience from being separate from their partner. They can um, have a like feel like they're being abandoned. They can be very clingy. And so you just see this person that just has a hard time feeling settled in their relationships. And obviously it can sabotage if there's like trust issues, when a person is, is away from you for a certain amount of time, if you're constantly checking phone calls, text messages, phone records, things like that, because you just feel like that your attachment, your relationships are always fleeting, that, that they're never going to last. And then we have the avoided attachment, essentially, as it sounds, people who try to avoid um, intimacy um, on emotional and psychological levels. And this, a lot of times, is from experiences as a child to whereas anxious attachment, a lot of times, is um, a lack of responsiveness from parents that can cause children to develop anxious attachments, whereas avoidant attachments will be too much attention to the point to where the kids, they are irritated, they are resistant to the clinginess, to the to the influx of, of love, so to speak. And the thing people don't understand about children is that they're like us. They get irritated, they get annoyed, and they want their space. And a lot of times, um, parents who are very invasive um, in that first one to five years, because that's when the attachment is formed in that first one to five years, that the kids start to like, you know what? I don't want that closeness. I don't want people touching me. I don't want people hugging me. And that that is a contributor to avoiding attachment. But also, too, sometimes avoiding attachment is someone that's simply just adapted to a lack of love, um, a lack of interest from from a parent and also rejection. So you can simply just adapt and say, you know what, I'm going to accept these are the cards I've been drawn. I will not look for emotional and psychological intimacy with anyone else. I want to just be there for myself, be self-reliant, and, and that that is what it is. I'm someone that technically, you know, self-disclosure here, I would be described as a avoidant attachment because I don't like to connect with people in, in really intimate ways. And I grew up in a home to where we didn't do a, like, there wasn't all this hugging and, and kissing and constant like affirmation. So for me, it definitely was um, an adaption. And I definitely faced a great deal of rejection, specifically from my um, my father, which also contributed to me developing in such a way to where I just be, in, I'm just independent when it comes to being there for myself, when it comes to loving myself. And I it's not easy for me to accept the love from, from other people. And then we have the secure attachment. If someone is fortunate enough to navigate through their childhood with um, a healthy balance between their parents, ideally an authoritative parenting style that has a perfect um, amount of responsiveness, um, demandingness, and, and, and reward, essentially. So that's very important. Demandingness and responsiveness are very important to be balanced for your kids to develop a secure attachment. Allow them to explore but also reel them in whenever they are hurting themselves. Now, to get into why I mentioned these attachment styles, we're gonna focus on anxious and avoidant now. Secure pretty much speaks for itself. Um, anxious and avoidant attachments are associated with less fulfilling sexual experiences and a great deal of sexual anxiety. And so essentially people who are anxious and avoidant tend to have a lower sexual self-esteem. So they're oftentimes are not as comfortable with themselves. And people may not realize that because they can be very active on the sexual scene. But what happens is that a lot of people who are anxious and avoidant tend to use sexuality as a means for validation 
and to fulfill certain certain voids. So I'm going to focus on anxious here for a moment. So highly anxious individuals tend to rate the quality of their relationships based on the quality of the sex they are having. So this is because they equate sex to feeling loved and it, and it wraps up in their self-esteem. So if they're not being desired, if they're not being craved, then it can bleed into how they feel about themselves. So that sexual experiences become important because that desire that they're experiencing is, is key. So, so they keep having sex and it contributes to the whole hookup culture because the partners can, can keep climbing because essentially you never are getting fulfilled. It's like a bottomless pit. Um, people who are anxious attached are also less like, are more likely, I'm sorry, to have unwanted sexual experiences as an attempt to feel valued. So they keep trying to go and get this value from this person and it never, it never endures, it never lasts, but it is, it's a huge part of why some people have unwanted, unfulfilled sexual experiences. Um, people who are anxious also tend to have a higher tendency to internalize sexual messages that, that objectify themselves as a mean to being loved. So when you see people who play into their image, who play into giving people what they want from them, that is an, that's an example of people who have internalized those sexual messages and that this is what it means to be attractive and desired and I need to try to fulfill these standards. Another thing with people who are anxious attachment is there's this need of closeness and this need to be close to people it's believed by them to fulfill their um the the validation that they're they're seeking and again it contributes to the hookup culture because they use sexual experiences for that closeness and even if you aren't necessarily looking for a sexual experience generally by being in close proximity to people all the time in a like romantic type way or in a alleged intimate way is going to lead to sex that's just pretty much how our society and our culture has been wired so in being sexual when you're an anxious attachment person this is a way to compensate for a fear of losing a partner and the constant sex that you're having the constant hooking up that you're having it basically it it reassures you about the love that you're that you're having even if it's not even real now we're going to get into the avoidance um this is a category that i self-disclose that i belong into um what you see with a lot of avoidant people is that they keep an emotional distance and i definitely can relate to that i don't like being um close to people i'm not someone that likes the hugging and all that like even when it comes to holding hands like this is something that i had to grow into because you just feel like you know that you can't trust people and it's very uncomfortable to try to connect in those ways. So it takes a lot of effort and work to, to move past that. A lot of people who are avoidant tend to resist being in committed relationships. They try to eliminate the discomfort that comes with intimacy by pushing people away as the relationship starts to get, um, get too serious. May even act like they don't even value relationships and that it's better to be single when reality is they're lying to themselves and they're lying to you. Do not believe that. Um, at times, avoidance prefer short-term sexual experiences um, because the sex is based on superficiality. So once the lust is gone, so too is the experience. And the short-term experiences allow you to get out before things get, get too hot, before things get too close. So, but that's one end of the coin. There are some avoided people that actually fear sex and practice abstinence um, as a way to protect themselves um, at a very young age, that definitely was was me. I was afraid of sex 
when it came to the different diseases that could come. And I think I kind of use that as an excuse not to have to connect with people because I didn't know what it would feel like to be vulnerable. And even at one point, the idea of just being naked around another person was a very uncomfortable um, idea for me. And I had to grow and understand that this is this is normal. This is natural. And most importantly, this is OK. Now, some people, though, can be very promiscuous that are, are avoided because they just seek the sexual experience and then they're ready, ready to move on. It really depends on the individual, whether they'll fear sex, practice abstinence, or they're just extremely promiscuous. It, just, it can go either way. But one thing about avoidance is that many of them prefer emotion-free sex. And when you think of emotion-free sex, you're not going to be able to be intimate with another person or form an intimate connection with another person if you are in the business of having emotion-free sex because you basically are unavailable to that partner. So you are limited on the connection that you can form. And again, as I was stating, that in order to have long-lasting connected relationships that are fulfilling, you need to be able to perform, you need to be able to have intimacy between the, the both of you. Now, avoidant men are more likely to use coercion to lure women into sexual encounters to fulfill the need of power and dominance. I'm going to emphasize on this again because a lot of people don't understand this. When it comes to players, you know, when it comes to, to the Don Juans, to the dogs and all, whatever you know, we call them, you see in avoidant men that they use a lot of coercion because they don't actually reveal themselves and try to connect in a meaningful, emotional, and honest and authentic way a lot of times. So I have to coerce you into sexual experiences instead of actually winning your heart in a way that now we are connected. And what it does is it fulfills the void of the need of power and dominance for a lot of men. And I think that um, women should should consider this whenever you're dealing with someone that is emotionally unavailable and they're trying to, to talk you into, to convince you to have sexual experiences and encounters that you may not even want to have. Um, and also remembering that just because someone is being very um, persistent with you sexually doesn't mean they care about you or they desire you more than that. Some people think that it is a passion. And no, it's not passion. It's someone just determined to get what they um what they want. And the last thing I'll say about avoidance essentially is that for them, usually sex is just less meaningful um, for many reasons. It can be less meaningful because they're just psychologically not available, or it could be less meaningful because they just don't value closeness and connectedness. So these are things that are important to think about. Now, intimacy, we're going to talk about this for a second. Intimacy is something that is formed between 18 and 30 years old, I would say. And what is intimacy? Because you guys may be wondering, like you keep saying this, intimacy is not having sex with another person. Like that's not just what it means. Um, it is when two partners are able to express their feelings. They're able to communicate learn about themselves and grow closer. And self-disclosure is very key for this. So you can see where if an avoidant person is not disclosing anything, or if an anxious person is over-disclosing, that can be an issue. And a lot of times in relationships, you see anxious and avoidant people coming together and they're just dancing in circles. One's chasing the other and one's running away from the other because of the reasons that I mentioned. Another thing about intimacy is that it's very important to be heard and to be understood and validated, which fosters intimacy. Your intimacy grows whenever you're being heard and you're understood and you're validated. In a lot of relationships, people are so focused on their goals, 
their 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 vision board and the things that they want from a relationship they're not actually present and listening and hearing their partner and connecting with them and so you have a lot of one-sided relationships or relationships that are limited in their ability because they're just not complete they're not listening they're not understanding and they're not validating each other now a lot of people don't get to that place where they have formed that intimacy in their relationship. And that's why you see these relationships um, ending. And a lot of us have been in relationships where there never was any true intimacy. There may have been sex. There may have been potentially um, some companionship, but the validation may have been missing. And a lot of times when when validation is missing, then the sex is, is empty. So having an identity basically knowing who you are is crucial for intimacy because you have to think about it. What am I sharing and how can I connect to someone if I don't know what I'm connecting? So it's important to have an identity to be able to form intimate relationships with people. Um, Failure to have an identity can make intimacy very scary, more scary than it is rewarding because you're afraid to connect. You don't really know who you are. So it's very important. But identity is formed through experiences. A lot of people say, well, I don't know who I am. How do I come to this? Look at your experiences. If if you are someone that doesn't quite understand, you know, where you're at and like how you come together, look at your experiences, look at how you respond to those experiences and try to find yourself through all of that to make sense of it. So the reason why these experiences are crucial and they really can play into the hookup culture is because when your experiences consist of over-sexualized, superficial, stereotypical depictions of sexuality, then your identity is formed in that context. So your identity can literally be to be a Jezebel. And sometimes when people say they don't understand their um, who they are, it's because of who they believe they are is a scary thing to them and they don't want to say it out loud. They don't want to speak it into existence. But you can always change things about yourself. No, it's not easy, but through persistent work, that actually can happen. But back to the identity. When people internalize depictions, these negative, superficial, over-sexualized depictions as norms, then the hookup culture follows. It it, it goes right in there because it becomes culture. It becomes a normal thing. And hookup culture breeds low intimacy in relationships. If you cannot give your all, your undivided attention to one person, then you're never really going to be that connected. What we're doing are we are using each other to mask our issues to mask our issues with attachment and, and hooking up all the time. And what you see, like in pornography for, for pornography, for example, which is a huge intimacy killer, it is sex without a realistic context and it objectifies men and women. Some people just focus on the woman's experience, but it also objectifies men as well. Because if you think about it, men feeling like they have to have sexual experience, they have to have to know how to please a woman also means that pornography is a convenient way to go and try to learn those things, even if it's not um, accurate. Hookup culture is sabotaging us and from having meaningful relationships. I know I've said that already, but I got to keep keep hitting on it. Relationships are not as fulfilling and you will have a revolving door of lovers if you do not grab a hold of yourself and be more conservative in making sure your efforts mean something. And the reason why I brought this up, it wasn't to be contentious, it wasn't to be judgmental, but it's so people can finally understand that you're not able to find that special someone because you do not have the ability to 
connect. You are not connecting with people. Yes, you can say, you know, you're, you're choosing wrong and all this other stuff. But if you are in a relationship with a person for any extended period of time and you don't know who you are, you, you don't know where you stand, but the sex is good or even if it's bad, it just at least occurs often. There's likely something going on when it comes to your ability not to connect. And if you're somebody that hooks up, you go to the club, meet people, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, and you do your thing, you're going to have a very hard time finding meaningful relationships. That's why I always tell people that do not open Pandora's box. Be mindful that when you start to engage in certain things, you will not be able to cut that water off in the way that you think you will. And there's also just the negativity and being haunted by past experiences that can also contribute to to what it is that you're that you have going on. So this podcast was a little shorter, but I hope it was very informative in helping people to understand that hookup culture is detrimental to your ability to form long-lasting connections that are huge in having relationships that endure. Um, you see these short-term relationships, the intimacy probably wasn't really there. This idea of we were in love and then I don't know what happened. There's probably a lot about each other that wasn't being disclosed. There's probably a lot of misunderstandings because when you look at divorces in general, there there's un, there's unmet needs 90% of the time. And these unmet needs a lot of times stem from a lack of intimacy, connection, connectedness, understanding, and validating each other. If you were in a situation where somebody is connected to you, they're validating you, they're understanding you, and they're listening to you, you are not going to want to go leave that behind just to go have sex with another person. So that's my time. Thank you all for joining me. Dr. Paco out.